The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know armadillos are often accompanied by the spirits of small children? Ooh. So if you hear any child noises in the recording of this podcast, it's because you're very attuned to the spirit realm. Good for you. Yeah, we don't even hear them anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't. Sometimes they're spirit cats, too. <laughs> for more armadillo-related facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early and learn about our other podcasts and merchandise, visit us at armadillo.club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 29 through 32 of The Eye of the World again. Last time. Previously, Rand, Matt, and Tom arrive in Whitebridge, but this town is no place to party. Both Pat and Fane and Amir Draw have been asking around after them, and Geld is trying to drum up drama. As they're attempting to get out of Dodge, they run smack into a mirror draw, and Tom sacrifices himself so they can escape. Meanwhile, Bella, Perrin, and Egwene are coasting that easy tinker life until Boswan finally tracks them down and torches Perrin's dream wolf. They decide that maybe they should get on about their heroic destinies or whatever. And uh, then finally, Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine roll into Whitebridge, reeling from Rand's visit. I gotta say, so far, every town they've rolled into has been hit with calamity. It does not bode well for the world. <laughs> Chapter 29, Eyes Without Pity, A Kind of a Wolf. Elias drives a hard pace with Perrin and Egwene. He's, he's got these crazy anti-tracking skills. He's like straightening grass behind them and like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it's probably a good idea considering they're being followed, but Elias doesn't even actually know what it is he's worried about, right? Yeah, they, they, they don't even, it's just a feeling, right? Yeah. He's and, freaked out though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, he has a good reason, it turns out, to be freaked out, because they spy some really scary flocks of ravens. Yeah, holy shit. Searching yeah. the countryside. I had actually completely forgotten about this part. Uh, the ravens that tear creatures apart. Yeah, they descend on them in a, in a tornado of, of stabbing beaks and, and blood and and turn turn that, that one fox into just a patch of fox fur on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, in like a rough circle, which was really creepy to me. Yeah, spread it around. There's yeah. one where they stack the... Fox's innards on top of his head. It's like, okay, this is just messed up. Yeah, this is, it's a uh, horrific, right? And capital H horrific. It's, it's really good. It's really well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, uh, they mentioned that all of the Dark One's creatures kill for fun, including ravens, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they are avoiding these, these, it's kind of like a stealth mini game. They're, they're avoiding these, these raven clouds that are, that are going across the sky and they're dashing from cover to cover, hiding under the trees they can find. And they do this all day. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Elias makes Perrin admit that he can hear the wolves. He outs them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the, yeah. he, and he knows this because he, he senses some wolves getting attacked. Um, and they, I guess the wolves get pretty wounded at this point. Yeah, they get torn up by another bunch of ravens that are behind them. So they have to keep rushing. Yeah, and Perrin finally admits that he's cursed with the coolest power ever. <laughs> right. Boo. He's like, I hate to see the, the look on Egwene's face, that look of just pure jealousy. I'm talking <laughs> sweet wolf. <laughs> uh, they barely make it into a steading where the ravens won't go. Uh, Perrin feels bad because he had been about to uh, kill Egwene. How about that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, 
Who's gonna spare Egwene with his axe? I mean, like, like how how far along was he, was he gonna get? But wait before he, he made that decision. Yeah, you know? where did? Yeah, I mean, it didn't take them long on that fox, right? It only took them a few seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know if parents could get much warning, right? So I mean, I don't know. Maybe parents just chill up, chill the fuck out. Yeah, but I mean, but he he feels that he had to decide between you know letting Egwene die this horrible raven death and. One clean blow with Master Luhan's axe. We hope. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he, he thinks about how bad he is with that axe all the time. Like, <laughs> what is this, I think, parent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know, you take a swing. She's like, ah, oh, that really hurt. You know, it's like maybe that maybe the ravens would have been better. Yeah. So, so when he enters the setting, Parent feels something leaving him as well, which made me wonder: Do you think Parent and Matt can channel? No. Not 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 with the natural talent, but do you think they could, they could learn? No, because wouldn't, I mean, you can tell, right? They couldn't men tell? No, they never did the test. With men, it's a specific test you have to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, they were never tested, and I'm sure they had no desire to learn, but, like, I mean, it wouldn't be that unlikely, right? The blood of Manetheran and all? Did they go to that town that doesn't have any channeling Why? in it? Was It It wasn't Ebu Dar. Where was uh, it? Farmatting. Farmatting. Yeah, they never went there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't well, think we know. I mean, they both, because we know that there's different powers, right? Like, there's the mm. Sidon and Sidar, but then there's the older one, which is, like, what Perrin and Min have, right? That comes before yeah, those. Some other and stuff. Matt, conceivably, has some of that, too. So, just, there's a different form of magic. Yeah, absolutely. More ancient ones, so but we don't Perrin, know what the rules are. Perrin can talk to the wolves inside the setting, though, yeah. so we didn't lose that. Yeah, interesting. I think, I think maybe, like, everybody is kind of force-aware at some level, you know? Like, yeah. they're aware of the power, because it's... It's all around us all the time, driving the wheel of time, and so they actually notice it at some level when it goes away. That's what I was wondering. Sure. Yeah, maybe maybe they actually could learn to channel if they, you know. I was also to. thinking like, uh, there's this bit later on that that we spend some time of the books on with a uh, loyal and the argument for whether the OG are going to stay and fight in the last battle or whether they're going to like leave again, mm-hmm. and they never really explain what that means. But I have I. My mind filled it in this time that like what these steading are are sort of places where the Ogier came from whatever world they're from, oh, where the rules are different, right? Yeah, so it's oh. like a bubble of their alternate Exactly, a bubble of a world where there's no one power. Interesting. And, oh, yeah. yeah and that's why, that's why it, it, no one can beat the steading, right? Because it's, it's operating at a different level. Oh. Yeah, I wish we knew more about that. that that whole thing, right? right? Like, oh, yeah. And, and we don't know what that's about. Except Loyal convinced them not to do it. Yeah, I would love to know more about the Ogier, their history, their origins, yeah. all that. Speaking of history, they, they shelter in the steading in, in, uh, under Hawking's eye. Yeah. Because there's a, the ruins of a giant statue of Arthur Hawkwing there. And uh, Elias gives them a really cool history lesson about Hawkwing. He even mentions the ones that went across the Aerith Ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, brings that up. So this is all, that's planted, right? Yeah. He's like, and Hawkwing's heirs, they're all dead. Except for those ones across the Aerith Ocean. That's yeah. probably not important, though, right? Yeah, it's nobody knows what happened to them, but we'll probably never <laughs> hear from them ever again. Do you think that's why they named it it? The Aerith Ocean? Oh, or is yeah, it like right. Earth Ocean? I, yeah, it's yeah. a weird name. <laughs> I thought about it for a while. <laughs> I got this vibe here from Elias that he is expressing this vibe that I get in a lot of historians when they're talking about people like like in the real world like about Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan or whatever mm-hmm. when they talk about them and there's this mix of both kind of impressed like uh, admiration, admiration for yeah. what they've accomplished but also they're trying to like 
remind themselves also they killed a whole lot of people. They were like, they caused a huge amount of suffering, mm -hmm. these conquerors, right? They caused turmoil and. But at the same time, they still kind of admire them. And I think that's what Elias is saying here, too. You imagine that in a thousand years, someone might say something similar about Rand, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he definitely accomplished some great things, but he also killed a lot of people. And he destroyed a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. So there's, there's a real ambivalence to the way Elias talks about this history. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of different from how Moraine tells history, right? It is true. Chapter 30, Children of Shadow. I kind of, the sunburst because the stupid children of the light are coming. Oh god. Fucking shit cloaks, man. Uh, Elias... Oh, sorry. My, also, Arthur Hawing is Steve Jobs. Because <laughs> he got really sick and he could have survived if he'd had an Aes Sedai healer. Oh, oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Instead of doing the, his, his hawking holistic medicine. Yeah. yeah. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Makes sense. Like, Steve Jobs is Arthur Hawking spun out by the wheel. Yep. Champion of the... Whatever. So, Elias takes Perrin aside uh, and gives him a, 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 a re reassuring speech. He assures Perrin that killing Egwene would have been the right thing to do. Okay. But also he gives him that, the, the famous talk about the axe, right? Yeah, once you don't want to use it, that's when, or when, once you do want to use it, that's when you got to yeah. get rid of it. Then you throw it away and run away. Man, that has a really long fuse on it, doesn't it? Like, that doesn't happen until the last book, second to last book? book? Nine or something like that. Is it when he finally throws his axe away? I think it's later, right? It's after he chops up that Aiel for information. Right, and then, <laughs> but, but shortly after he gets his magic hammer, that might be in the last book, right? No, I thought he threw that away and then he, uh... Then he, he rescues Fael with just the hammer. Oh, is that right? Oh, no, yeah, you're probably right. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. He, he says it's hammer time right before he kills every <laughs> single right. person. No, no, you're right. Like it's yeah, really yeah. old. And, and then everyone's <laughs> like, yes, we get it. You chose the hammer, man. Yeah. And he's wearing really baggy pants that like tie at the bottoms. <laughs> That's why he wins all those fights, because they don't expect him to go move sideways. Yeah, exactly. that shuffling man. <laughs> he's moving like a crab. Do, do, do. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. So uh, Perrin, Perrin's ashamed of his axe, and Elias says, "It's okay, man. You're, you're going to need that axe." Yeah, right away because they get a warning from the wolves that uh, a bunch of creepy-smelling men are on the way. I, I actually thought this was interesting that the that the they smell. I said they said they smell wrong. They smell rabid, and I thought that was kind of cool that that wolves can smell that like. Self-righteousness. Yeah, or yeah. zealotry or whatever, like that the White Cloaks have. And it smells gross. <laughs> yeah, and it sucks. Because White Cloaks are gross. The, the White Cloaks come, and the Elias and Perrin and Egwene all, all flee the fire to avoid the White Cloaks. We should split up, they say. And I was like, come on, guys. But uh, Elias and the wolves proceed to harass the White Cloaks. And reading it this time, I don't know exactly why they're doing that. To piss them off, right? <laughs> well, they, they kill some of them, right? Uh-huh, a bunch, yeah. But why? I mean, the, the White Cloaks suck, right? I'm not on the White Cloaks side, but yeah, also, yeah. you don't have to... You could just run away, right? That seems like it probably would have been the better answer, right? Uh, instead of antagonizing them, just just bail. Yeah. This is this has been a problem before, right? Like, <laughs> you find the, the crazy, like, zealot organization and you throw rocks at them. Probably not the way to go, right? Yeah, yeah that's not the appropriate approach. Uh, you, I mean, you know, not unless you have an army. Yeah, so in that case, absolutely kill them all. Yeah. So while Elias and the wolves are harassing them, the White Cloaks uh, manage to find Perrin and Egwene, uh, and then the saddest thing of all time happens. I know! I forgot that Hopper dies here! Yeah, Hopper comes in. We barely knew him. He, he jumps in and tries to save Perrin and Egwene from the White Cloaks, and they kill him. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, which drives Perrin into a, a rage, and, and he attacks them and, and gets got. 
So a couple of notes here. This is also when Perrin realizes for the first time that he can see in the dark. I swear, the coolest fucking power. Right, yeah. It's pretty it just gets well. better and better. He's like, oh, I don't want to go in to know about this. Uh, also, Perrin is witnessing what's happening through the wolves' eyes because, throughout this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. And he sees Elias as they see him for the first time, which is a wolf with a single large fang. Actually took the liberty of uh, creating an artist rendition. <laughs> uh, just so I, wanted to, I just wanted to share it with you guys. This is this is a <laughs> Uh, so it's a, a wolf with a single large fang that walks on two legs. Uh, this does, we will include this with the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I think this, this needs a wider audience. Yeah, uh, I, I created this uh, when I should have been working at work. Instead, I was like, uh, no, I really, I couldn't get the image out of my head, so I had to get it on paper. <laughs> what, what do they call him? Long tooth? Yeah, is long that, tooth. Is that his wolf yeah. name? Yes. So that's, I assume that, that's, that's you fill in all the details of his wolf name. That's, that's what it is. It yeah. just gets better the more you look at it. So, yeah. Oh my God, I want I want that T-shirt. Well, I or will, a flag. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll send this to y'all. Excellent. Thank you. Well done, Micah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so Perrin and Egwene wake up uh, in Geofram Bornhold's tent, uh, where he's interrogating them with Child Buyer. Uh, Child Buyer is a total psycho. Yeah, I was I was remembering this. So Geofram Bornhold. He dies pretty early on, so I didn't remember him super well, but I, I kind of remembered him being one of the more reasonable white cloaks. Yeah. yeah. But he's not like, he's not a, he's, I mean, there's no good white cloaks, right? Uh, except maybe, I guess, Galad in the very last book, when he the, turns the white cloaks less in. evil. No, Galad. Oh, Galad, you're Galad. right, yeah. 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 Oh, Galad. Uh, but yeah, I remember Joffrey Barnhold being less insane, but. Yeah, well, you remember like what Galad was doing when he became the good white cloak? Killing white cloaks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. But his, but yeah, but Geoffrey Bornhold's uh, son sucks. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Because that's one of the ones who uh, followed Galad around and was like super crazy. Yeah, he's, he's the one that just sucks all around. And BR is just a hot mess. Like that that's the guy that's like frothing at the mouth and stuff, right? I'm surprised even white cloaks want to work with this guy because he is a psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like something not right with that guy. Uh, they find out that the, the white cloaks are heading to Camelin for some reason. Um, the child buyer gives the uh, after-action report uh, and talks about how there must have been 50 wolves and, and a dozen dark friends out there. Yeah. Uh, which, actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but that's very Vietnam, right? Famously, they would inflate the, the casualty numbers of their opponents. Sure. And what they would say is, like, we know we killed dozens of them, but they hide their, their bodies. They drag their bodies away. That's why we never find the bodies. I noticed they said that. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very interesting way to yeah, as, persecute someone worse, right? Yeah, as, as Vietnam went worse and worse, they started like tracking their metrics, with, and their metrics was body count. So they started just inflating all the body counts of all their engagements. And so there was this, this weird thing where they thought they'd killed millions of, of uh, the North Vietnamese, and they hadn't. They just hadn't, right? They were just, everybody was making up the numbers across the board. Mm -hmm. yep. And it's kind of like that. Perrin. There is, of course, a customary uh, beating and interrogation in which Perrin actually tells them mostly the truth, right? Yeah, I, I thought Perrin and Egwene were quite bad at resisting interrogation. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Perrin was like, Egwene, don't tell them about the two rivers and why we're here and the wolves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it doesn't matter because uh, they just assume that they're lying and they're probably dark friends. Yeah. And essentially his conclusion is, you know, Egwene, you might be able to get out of this with just some mild torture, but Perrin, straight to the gallows. Yep, you're going to die. Yep. We killed two white cloaks, so uh, that's... I mean, yeah, you're right. Fair. You're right. And fair. they don't get the whole wolf thing, so to them it's just, you know, un, un, uh, unwarranted or whatever. Well, the white cloaks didn't actually do anything to Perrin and Egwene except uh, make them come out of their hiding place at, at Spearpoint. True. 
That's all they did. Yeah, and then Perrin, and in, in the mean, while while they were being slaughtered left and right by wolves. Right, and Hopper pro- like this probably would have gone better if Hopper hadn't intervened. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah, I know he was trying to help them, and if they had run away when he said run, it might have worked out. But yeah, although maybe I don't know, maybe Hopper was right. Maybe those, those white clothes were just gonna kill him. That's a good point, right? That, that's what white clothes do. They just kill people, right? They just suck. So, chapter 31. Play for your supper. Icon of the sword. Rand and Matt travel. <clears throat> oh, by the way, Rand is already making lists. Oh, yeah? Yeah, at this point, he's, he's listing kindnesses that uh, Rand and people have done oh, to him. Yeah. Like instead this. of listing the women that he, he's killed. But <laughs> the underlying concept is there, you know? So, yeah. he's just a dude who likes to make lists. I get that. I did notice that Rand has a really mean internal monologue. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> always telling him, you're so stupid. You're going to get caught. You're gonna, the dark friends are going to get you. I think we talked about this later that we don't, at this point, we don't know who this voice is, right? Yeah. yeah do the other people have that? Like, like Perrin has some kind of things like that, right? Like Not, he, he thinks, oh, you would have killed Egwene. You're just a horrible person. He doesn't have the italic text, though, does he? Yeah, it's, it's, it's unclear. It, it's very noticeable with Rand because he gets a lot more of that later, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, Matt has the dagger and is uh, very suspicious and kind of ruins everything that they do and is a jerk for throughout these whole chapters. Yeah. Yeah, at one point they're just hiding in the bushes as some riders pass by and Matt is snarling, I'm, I'm going to quote, snarling silently like a cornered badger. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like Matt's doing well. Like, Rand's like, dude, we're hungry. We don't have any money. Let's talk about selling, like, the ruby out of this dagger. And Rand, I'm oh, sorry, and Matt does not respond well to that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very not okay. Yeah, obviously not okay, but I guess Rand doesn't put two and two together that it has something to do with the cursed dag- dagger from the evil city, city of... Where people went mad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. got super suspicious of each other and went mad. Also, right. it's a stupid plan. Like, where are they going to sell it? Who are they going to sell it to? That's I mean, that's, that point, is what Matt actually, says. Yeah. yeah. He's, got, he's got a fair point there. Yeah, nobody in this area can buy that. Also, if they did break it up and sell the pieces, they'd probably spread Mashadar like a plague, right? Oh, God. World. Yeah. 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 And just the fact that Matt is keeping this thing to himself is probably the only thing that's saving anyone. Mm-hmm. So they're working for food on the road. Uh, but Matt keeps flubbing it. He keeps giving people crazy eyes, and they don't like that. Yeah, yep. Uh, they, they head to the Grinwell farm. Hey! Oh, yes, yes. that Grinwell. Yeah. yeah. Where they, uh, they Rand finally realizes that they could play their instruments instead of chopping wood or whatever. Yeah, the whole time, Alice is there uh, giving like Rand the undressing him with her eyes kind mm-hmm. of situation. And uh, as a Two Rivers boy, he just does not know what to do with himself. Yeah, right. Also, this is the first time they've seen blonde people. Yeah, that's right. They mentioned that she had yellow hair and, uh, no, Mr. Scrimmel had yellow hair and he had never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but luckily, Mr. Scrimmel also has a sharp eye and uh, keeps them apart because otherwise Rand could find himself in a very tough situation. Like, I have a feeling that Else would like to, you know, lock absolutely. that down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lock down that dragon. She'd like some of that Two Rivers to back. Yeah. <laughs> She's a lusty farm girl. Uh-huh. And uh, it's funny because she picked the wrong one, I guess. I mean, Matt normally would be all into that, right? Yeah. yeah. But this time he's, you know, yeah. very, he's very into his, his first romance. He's dagger The ruby, the yeah. ruby dagger. <laughs> uh, but that does give them the idea that they can entertain people for their uh, suppers instead of working. And that's worth a lot more money in this world. 
So they're able to do that at inns and stuff, and it's a much nicer way to travel from then on. Yeah, thanks, Tom, right? Like, he, he, he gave them these really useful skills. He was right, Tom yeah. was, about a lot of things. Yep. Yeah, if I lived in this world, I would just teach myself how to juggle and learn some stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. I, I could be a good storyteller, I bet. Yeah. I never found juggling very entertaining. I'm really bad at it. You know, I imagine in this, like, medieval world, like, that's top-notch entertainment. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. It's that or stare at a horse's butt or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, they head on and they reach Four Kings. And uh, Else Grinwell goes on to the White Tower and gets killed by Lanfear. Yeah, how yeah. about that? Wait, does she get killed or does she just get, get killed and then her dead corpse is possessed by her or does she just make herself look like just her? Just an image or something? Yeah, I, it's unclear. I think yeah. she actually got sent away from the tower and Lanfear just started impersonating her. But either way. No, she super died. I remember that. Yeah, she, yeah. I it's pretty clear that she's dead. Uh, yeah. Damn. So, uh, thanks, Rand. Yeah. yeah that, that, thanks, Rand, because she, she got the idea to do that because Rand came through town. It was a Forsaken's meat puppet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Also worth noting is that that's, Rand, I mean, that's oh, sorry. kind of grim, right? You, you, the wheel, the pattern, the wheel wheels is the wheel wheels, and the pattern has a place for everyone in the pattern. And Elsa's place is to your be a meat puppet for Lanfear. Yeah, just go be a meat puppet for Lanfear for for like five minutes. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, you know, like let's be honest, she wasn't doing a whole lot. I mean, you know, true. yeah. Like remember at the White Tower, she sucked. <laughs> yeah, but if Rain and Matt hadn't stopped there, they wouldn't have tavarend her and brought her to the White Tower in the first place. So. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. But uh, another important note, Rand is not having his creepy hell dreams right now. He's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he mentions point. how he doesn't sleep well necessarily, but he's not having the Balsamon dreams. How funny. So Balsamon must need to know where he is. Huh. I did right? wonder. Yeah. Or I, I didn't know. If, or maybe something to do with Perrin's, like, we'll think if we know they're connected somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matt's, like... Dagger poison is like <laughs> Balsamon's like I don't want to touch that you know yeah. hands off boys <laughs> wait a minute yeah, so I don't know yeah it's a good question yeah it's kind of funny how Balsamon is looking for him but can't find him yeah so chapter thirty two four kings in shadow icon of the dragon's fang uh, they get to four kings four kings uh, sucks it's a town where everybody is unhappy I swear this place makes Terran fairy look like Barillon. <laughs> 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 But no, I mean, like, the houses, like, their whitewash is shitty. Uh, this place doesn't even have a village green, yeah. for fuck's sake, you Nobody know? makes eye contact. It's a crossroads town, so it's all sort of merchants and merchant guards passing through. Not, like, farming or agriculture-driven. I was kind of wondering what the, like, the subtext is here. You know, like, this, the like crossroads towns are terrible. I mean, like... Yeah, right? Like, like merchant, what's it called? Like, commerce is, is bad? Is worse than agrarianism? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, agrarianism is, like, the, the best there is, right? Like, the two rivers is... Perfect. Yeah. So the yeah, like the two rivers is like self-sustaining because of their agriculture. Whereas this town barely makes enough food to feed itself. So they're all trade dependent. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but usually this is where the uh, the cities grow up, right? Control at these these important Absolutely. crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. This is where your nice places, right? Your your rich people, your mansions, your libraries, your your cool things, your temples. Sure. Would be. Yeah. yeah. But not in this world. Nope. So they find their way to the shittiest town in this, sorry, the shittiest inn in this shitty town. Yeah, they go to the worst one. Uh, Run by the nastiest innkeeper they've yeah, ever seen. Thin and gross. This guy does not give off red flags. He gives off, like, emergency flares, right? I like, know. the minute they walk in, right? He's like, oh, come in, come in. How can I rob you? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I mean, I mean, rob. I mean, steal. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they play the show to a rough crowd. Uh, there's at least one knife fight. 
uh, and nobody notices, right? Yeah, yeah. Funny. Someone gets stabbed, and then the, then the bouncers throw everyone out, and they keep going. Yeah, and they they know that the innkeeper is planning to rob them. Yeah, he's giving them the "I'm going to steal everything you have" eyes the whole right, time yeah. they're playing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you guys can stay here. Uh, how much that sword worth? You think? Yeah. What about the flute there? That's a really nice gold and silver flute yeah. on the. Hmm. Yeah, that's real gold and silver, right? Yeah, and on top of that. A guy who is just the most obvious dark friend ever. No kidding. Door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy's really funny, actually. Like, cause he's just so sinister. He's yeah. a fleshy man with with rings on all of his fingers, and nobody will get close to him because he creeps everybody out. And he sits there and stares at the random bat the whole night. They so, never say why he why what what is so creepy about him, right? But I don't know, but. It says, he scanned the room once, already turning to go, then suddenly gave a start at nothing Rand could see and sat down at a table. Was mm. like the Dark One giving him instructions? Good. Yeah, because you're right, he didn't, he didn't see them. Yeah. Because he's checking all the ends for them, right? Yeah, because at first I thought, oh, maybe he just like saw somebody who matched the description, but it, it's, it says he gave a start at nothing Rand could see. I wonder if he, I wonder if Rand just didn't realize what he saw, or maybe there's some kind of like, I know the Dark One can like, Put images and things in there, right? Like, well, I don't maybe know. it's like the Pad and Fane thing. Didn't he give Pad and Fane some ability to track uh, the boys from the Two Rivers? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Could be. Maybe yeah. That that kind of thing. And so he got there, and he got like a a ping on his his Randar. <laughs> <laughs> so Rand figures yeah. out pretty quickly who, who where he where he knows this guy. He recognizes him. He's like this guy looks familiar, and yeah. he realizes it's he's a merchant from Whitebridge who's followed them here. Yeah, which is. Super creepy. Yep. Uh, they, he looks kind of for a way out, but he doesn't really have one because the innkeeper's got his burly boys covering all the exits. Yeah, the the, the bouncers at this point are menacing them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, uh, you know, you don't bet you don't know how to use that sword. <laughs> this was a really yeah. tensely well written chapter. This was good. This yeah. was, it was it was tight. It was a thriller. Mm-hmm. I gotta and, say, like at this point, it seems like they should get the hell out of town, but. They're like, well, no, we've got to finish our performance, guys. I don't, why don't they well, just they, leave, Well, right? they can't. Yeah, because the guys, the, the bouncer's on the door. Yeah, but, like, is it going to kill them right there in front of everyone? They just leave, right? I mean, like, people were literally stabbed in there, like, half an hour yeah, ago. I suppose yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's... if the bouncers wanted to keep Rand and Matt around, they probably would. Yeah, that's true. And then Rand does think at one point that if they if the people in here saw that dagger of Matt's, they'd probably all join in and yeah. get him. yeah. Uh, but also, uh, Rand does mention to Matt, where he recognizes them, and from then on that evening, Matt is mean mugging everyone. <laughs> <laughs> He's like glaring at the innkeeper, glaring at the bouncers, glaring at the random merchant, like, ah, oh, you know. Yeah, I dare you to rob me, <laughs> he says as he juggles. <laughs> dude, dude. Yeah, Matt, Matt is not the right guy to have it with you in any of these situations right now. No. Uh, so, Rand isn't able to figure out a way around this, so the... After the end of the night, when they're done with the show, uh, the innkeeper helpfully shows them to his trap closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, he's like, okay, well, uh, yeah, uh, so we're going to head out. And he's like, no, let me show you to the... It's down this dark hall with yeah. only one door. And It's, it's, it's the, the room there, the closet there with the bars on the windows. Yes, go in there. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. So they barricade themselves into the trap closet, and yeah. then they decide they're going to make their escape. <laughs> right. Uh, they can't get out through the, the window because it's barred. Uh, but then late in the night, who comes to their door? <gasps> Not the innkeeper, but that guy, the dark friend. Yeah. 
uh, he's, he's he's like knocking at their door. He wants to tell them about his good friend. The, the sorry, yeah. He wants to tell them the good word about his Lord and Savior, yeah. the Dark One. <laughs> yeah. How about I just slip you some literature under the door that you can read? And this is our first Dark Friend pitch, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 First of many, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He says it's going to be great. You can you can rule forever, or we can torture you forever, and I'm going to rule forever. And you know, they 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 say they're not interested, but you know how persistent these evangelists are. You know, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're they're trying to save you, right? Yeah. Or in this case, uh, damn you forever, right? Right. So as he's getting to the more aggressive part of his his uh, his pitch, a bolt of lightning luckily strikes, destroying the window and part of the wall and all of the dark friends. Yeah, killing wall. Huh. Skeet, skeet. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That was so stupid. That was great. Perfect. (laughs) No no notes. (laughs) Mwah. I love it. (laughs) As as they say in the two rivers. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) That's that's Rand's catchphrase. Oh, skeet skeet. Oh, skeet skeet, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, he God. said as he steps over their corpses. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yes. Lightning has struck the wall, killed all the dark friends, made a hole for them to escape, blinded Matt. Sorry, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't just, have been looking at it. Yeah, just real good luck, huh? And they uh, head off into the night and the storm. Indeed. Yeah, so that was that was a lot. That was some action there at the end, you know. I, I'm still not a fan of the travel chapters, and we're still, you know, there's still a little bit of that. But at least they're punctuating with this action, you know. So far, like I okay, I I, I did the side when we got these travel chapters. Like, oh god, this is gonna suck. But both of these were all right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think that there's enough action in here that it's not so bad, you know? Yeah, like Alice said, that was a really tight little, like, thriller chapter with yeah. the beginning Absolutely. and middle and ending, and it, and it ratcheted up the tension really well. I agree. Yeah. And it's also great. very creepy, mm-hmm. you know? Pulling in some big ideas that are going to continue to pop up later. Yeah, I do, I do think it's interesting how we see, keep seeing these hints at, you know, stuff that that really takes the whole series to un, un, unfurl, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's our fir- also our first example of why it sucks to be a dark friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's randomly right. lightning bolted. Yeah, it's yeah. like I want you to go make a pitch to these guys in the inn, right? They're just kids, you know. You, you you be nice to them, you know. Show them the finer things in life. You'll bring them over, right? And so he knocks on the door and. <laughs> you know, you're right, right? Like when he first shows up, he's all confident, and then and then Rand mentions that he sees the heron marked blade, and he starts like. Like second guessing, you like wait right. a second. Like maybe what? there's something more going on here, right? Yeah. So he's like, okay, he's a sword guy. Okay, I'll bring a lot, bunch of dudes with me. No problem. I can deal with a sword guy, right? Yeah. But no, 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 no. This is a lightning bolts guy. Although we actually know what happens to this guy after death, right? Oh, uh, that's right. He shows up later at the beginning of the the next book, I think. In one of the devil dreams, he uh-huh. shows up mm-hmm. and he's all like messed up. Oh and yeah. Yep. And, and then I think I think Balsamon burns him or something, right? Balsamon like says, "Okay, I'm gonna give you your reward now." And the guy like smiles, and then like right before he disappears, he frowns like he saw something really bad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sucks this is why it sucks to be a dark friend. Yep. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're gonna cover chapters 33 through 37 of the Eye of the World again. I am Jeff Lake. You can find me at jefflake.info. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. 
Please share us with anybody you think might like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this, especially iTunes. Please find out how you can give us your dollars at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time, the light illumine you. you.